Hey guys, welcome to Cars and Health Bars. On today's episode, we're going to be getting into a little bit of engine building. Also, we're going to be talking about why Modern Warfare 3 was doomed from the start. With that being said, guys, let's get right into it. So, I guess we can kind of start uh, this episode by saying, no, Jordan is not a specialized engine builder by trade, but that is what we're going to be talking about today, and I feel like Jordan has done enough uh, to kind of scratch the surface that I want to scratch, uh, and of course we'll go in deeper when we find the appropriate engine builder that we both agree uh, we would like to take a deep dive with, but with everything Jordan knows, I, I think it's enough to scratch the surface and uh, kind of get into the engine building side of uh, the automotive atmosphere. Yeah, I've got a few engines under my belt now. I wouldn't say I'm... I guess I am technically a professional, but... You don't, I don't specialize. Know, I, don't look at, I, don't, I don't look at myself as someone like Tim Key, for example, or even yeah. Haney. That's kind of what I had in mind as far as talking to somebody that is... Uh, an engine builder, somebody that's like at a machine shop, like taking like parts right off the mill and slapping them on. You know, that's kind of what I had in mind going into this. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely work in that kind of environment, but I I don't, so. <laughs> yeah. So kind of what leads me into this topic uh, is I've kind of been on a kick here lately uh, about watching this show. Well, I'll have to look it up real quick, but uh, it's on... YouTube, I was looking up like LS Coyote stuff, and then I kind of got into LS versus Coyote stuff, excuse me. And then I came across this show called uh, Horsepower Wars. And it is uh, the channel that does it is uh, Power Plus Performance. I, I don't know if that's a sub show or what, but uh, basically it's a show about putting two engines against each other and seeing which one can make the most horsepower with a given budget and I don't think they're given a timeline but they're given a budget and you know certain rules as far as uh the engine has to be streetable no cog driven uh, superchargers it's got to be uh you know 16 rib belt or whatever rib it is you know typically yeah so six rib yeah six six rib I don't know why it's at 16 uh and that's kind of what's got me, like, I, I've kind of just learned a, a lot just going through these episodes uh, about the different aspects of engine building, and it's kind of some stuff I wanted to see if you've dived into personally, and uh, just watching the LS versus Coyote uh, series, uh, I've, I've, I keep hearing this over and over again, and it's maybe something that you know about the Coyote, and maybe there might be some LSs like this, but the Coyote is a... Uh, is a low clearance, I believe is what he said, engine, so or a low tolerance engine, so everything has to be within a, a very tight tolerance, and I'm wondering if that's something that you've ever messed with before, or if there's any LSs that you know of that are a tight tolerance engine. So, you know, I don't really remember the specs of engines I haven't built at our shop. Now... I'm going to assume Busby's engine was pretty tight tolerance, being that it had, you know, plans of being just straight beat on. Yeah. And uh, the thing, too, is uh, aluminum blocks can't have too tight of a tolerance because obviously the block will expand more than the bearing race, or the bearings, my bad. So you really don't want to be too tight because you, or too loose, my bad. 
You could be tight too, but I, there's a good mid range to stay. I'm not someone who's real experienced with this, but I do know you don't want to get too far either way just because, especially working with aluminum, it reacts differently than the steel components in your engine. Yeah, uh, components um, expand, contract. Yeah, I mean, your typical journal clearance on an LS is. Point zero 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 two five, so old film, yeah. roughly. You know that, that's the goal, I believe. At least that's what I re- think I remember from the last. Yeah, from the last engine I built, I think that's yeah about two thousand. Wow, that's your main. That's your main bearing clearance on a typical like that's what it was on the L ninety nine I just built. Okay, so that's that's about where you stay on your bearing clearance you you don't deviate too far on anything really you're you're not getting real far from like two thou see that's something that i heard too is uh whenever they order like crate motors these like really particular engine builders is they will go through and check double check all their uh bearing clearances because uh you know there yeah. could be deviation you know they Maybe the machine shop it came from isn't very precision. You know, there's uh, casting issues. You know, there's a lot of different things that goes into this. It's just this. always good to check on your end because a $9,000 engine popping that isn't your fault, that's going to make you mad, especially if there's no warranty. Right. And, you know, that's something I personally do. You know, when I get done, when the machine shop is selling my 416, I will definitely be going through and double-checking every tolerance. Yeah, that, that's definitely a good idea. And, you know, it's kind of funny, too, uh, speaking of kind of going through things, for the job of being a mecha- uh, mechanic, sorry, uh, people kind of, whenever you envision a mechanic, you tell somebody you're a mechanic, they think, oh, your hands are dirty, your hands are greasy, everything's messy. When you're engine building, every like the number one thing, and you definitely would have to agree with this, is cleanliness. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. You- Number one thing you do anytime you're rebuilding engine, clean the block, clean every old galley, cranks, rods, every old galley through them. A- anywhere you can clean oil, clean it, brush it. It's hot soap and water. And that that was something funny that I was uh, listening to with one of the engine builders for uh, this video is they they said even like a small like burr, not even a burr, just like a little divot in the crank. That's a mountain for that crank. Whenever it's spin, it's you know seven. One thousand is too much. Yeah, yeah. If that gets we had you a, we had a crank that was bent one thousand, and Haney got it out. He he bent it back the other way. That's a Just mountain for a crankshaft. It. Like it's insane how homie eyeballed it. I, you know how we found out too. How so? This is exactly why this goes hand in hand. So this is that John's Smoky engine. Yep. All right. No. Yeah. I I think it was. It's been a minute. I believe it's Smokey's engine. Think. So no, for con- I can't remember. But anyways, we had an LT engine, and I'm reusing the rotating assembly. I think, or maybe the engine was sent off to the machine shop. That might have been what it was, and we get it back. No, this was the engine we put a new crank in, and I was torquing the mains down, and before I even did. As soon as I did my first sequence on torquing all the main caps, I couldn't even spin the crank over by hand. And I double-checked everything I could. You know, obviously no caps were the wrong way, nothing obvious. So, eventually I get my 
dial indicator set up on that crank, and sure enough, it's got a thousand uh, bend in it. Wow. Man, that's... And actually, Haney was the one who measured it, but he was there with me. So. Cranks are not cheap. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah Haney, Haney bent that thing back, dude. He set two main caps out on the under the press and found the point that was most likely to be bent at and pressed on it a little bit and got it bent straight. Wow, that's that's crazy, huh? Not a lot of shops go to that much uh, that much length to fix it. I mean, most shops they just couldn't even be bothered. They just be like, "All right, yeah, you need a new crank, buddy." <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're just not meticulous, I guess you could say. <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's just crazy to see how much goes into uh, engine building if you do it right. Like, uh, so the guys for context who are building the uh, LS, they were pretty pretty particular with who they went with to build each engine. Uh, the team they went with to build the LS engine is actually uh, LME, which you just got a block from yeah. late model engines. It's kind of crazy to see what they growth go through to. Uh, do all their blocks with with their uh, of course they make their own head they do all the uh, porting and it's just yeah. crazy to see uh, all of that kind of come together and I, I don't know is it something that you go through whenever you're building engines uh, with like so what all do you double check whenever you are putting everything together you of course said your tolerances but uh, do you like as far as your heads go, let's just say you know you've got your uh, valves. Do you you go through and check all your valves again just to make sure everything was on like on par? Now, typically, I don't take valves out of the head or nothing. Um, we we don't work with a lot of aftermarket heads, and the only ones we really seem to have worked with a lot really is PRC. Now, there's been you know a few others. I've I've contemplated going like Frankenstein and a few others, but ultimately I'm staying stock cast. Yeah. But um, with PRCs in particular, I've never seen um an issue out the box with. I think Matt had one, that one we had on that table that time. Okay. I, yeah. I think it was cracked, and it may not have even been from PRC. That might have already previously been cracked. That's the only PRC head I've ever seen an issue with. Yeah. Uh, you typically don't see a lot of head failures. Uh, people have been doing the same thing with, you know, pushrod, can't inline, can, you know, pushrod engine heads have been the same for, God knows how long now. Something too I wanted to ask uh, you that I saw inside that video is the uh, the Coyote guys actually blocked off their oil squatters. Uh, yeah, uh, that's typical on any performance engine. It seems really. Not only does it. Uh, you know, relieve up some of that pressure, but it also, uh, I can't remember if it said it was something to do with the oil film, but it added eight horsepower. Yeah. It's less, uh, oil on the bottom of the piston. So less, uh, so it kind of, I like to think of it like dry sump. It's just less windage. It's more like, so in a dry sump engine, your crankcase is under vacuum. So there's no air, nothing. So there's no resistance on the bottom of the piston on the downstroke. Whereas when you're spraying oil on it, that's adding just a slight bit of resistance. Yeah. But, I mean, you think about it, how fast that thing's spinning. I mean, it, it adds up. Also, too, you know, if you're deleting oil squirters, it also might be because you're running a uh, you're running a bigger setup. Yeah. It yeah, that's exactly issues. why I'm deleting them on my engine. 
Yeah, you could have clearance issues. Uh, you know, that's that's another reason. It's very common to have clearance issues. They put those old squatters pretty close to that rod. <laughs> yeah, like when it's a BDC, it's it close. <laughs> you can sometimes bend them and get away with it. Golly. But, uh, you know, that's, I'd rather just delete them. Yeah, so I guess that could kind of get us on the topic. You've mentioned your 416 a lot. Uh, kind of what are we looking at for timeline on uh, getting some stuff going for it? Because, of course, that'll be uh, you going into engine building uh, kind of deep on your own yeah. setup. Well, I just bought some heads today, so it is no longer just I got a short block. I got a long block now. Aside from, well, I got a supercharger too, but it's not sitting on a shelf or nothing right now. What Technically are, sitting on an engine that's being driven around daily. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we doing as far as the uh, fasteners? Are you getting all new head studs or are you going... Uh, uh, I'm reusing the studs on my current engine on it. Uh, the GM? The only reason I even put the studs in my ca current car is because had a lifter failure that Trunnion went out on me and I did not want to buy head bolts after... I was like, oh, I can just buy Trunnion. So I just bought CHE Trunnions for like 400 bucks or whatever. And I was like, damn, I'm broke. <laughs> and I still had the lifter, you know, going to town. So yeah, <laughs> I had to drain all my coolant and <laughs> pull my head gaskets. <laughs> I had to buy head gaskets. The only reason I ask is because there's kind of a bigger controversy or a bigger argument about using reusing, uh, you know, the GM fasteners because they are torque to yield. Well... You know, there is some debate about that, but there there's a lot. Like, for instance, Matt would never do that, and I probably wouldn't, but I know people who have ran 650 horsepower, 800 horsepower, reusing stockhead bolts with 200,000 miles. So, you know, you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> people do plenty of both. And really, 300-something bucks for some ARP studs versus freebie. Free. That's your choice, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, worst case, you could go to, like, a pull apart. Worst case, you lift a head or something, you know, yeah. boo-hoo. As long as you don't hydrolock it, you're fine. <laughs> that is very true. People just be hating the junkyard, guys. I swear. Everyone's acting like you gotta buy Gucci parts for your freaking <laughs> pushrod V8. It's kind of crazy, uh, going back to that thing I watched. They were given the budget of $15,000 to build the best Damn, LS. LS7 versus 5.5 five or something. It, it's a, uh, so the LSN, they're using LSX 427. Uh, and Makes sense. F, I think it's an F1A uh, Pro Charger. And yeah, pretty big. Coyote, of course, 305. Uh, they actually... I find it weird they're using a Pro Charger, though, because that's just like... Oh, I make no torque, and I make decent power. Yeah, both engines are... Why not just turbos? Well, both engines are actually using a Pro Charger. I don't know what the choice was. Maybe it was a requirement Man, for them to I, use The only charger. thing I got to say is this, and, you know, there, there are probably going to be some people hating on this. I feel like the Silverado guys, especially, are going to hate this, but Pro Chargers are just, like, stupid. Like, I really don't understand the market for them, because, yes, they can make... Don't get me wrong, boost is boost, but if I'm going to put some money into a belt drive and all that shit, get me a PD blower, man. I want to make my power early. I want to put my foot down like 2,500 RPM and just be put back in my seat. 
Or at the same scenario, I want to hit some anti-lag and then take <laughs> off. Like, I don't want the in-between. Yeah, you're I saying one or the other. Good, good, consistent power at bottom and all the way through the mid and top at decent power. Or, you know, feels like a heads cam on the bottom end on a boosted car. And then when you hit boost, it's like, oh shit, I'm in a rocket ship. <laughs> That's what I want. I don't want the in-between of, okay, I'm in a rocket ship for the last... Because, like, take, for example, the Z01. We got the Shop 6 Gen with the F1A. Perfect example of a F1A. I, th- this car used to have a Magnuson 2300 or 2650. I can't remember. And I, it was so much nicer, dude. It might not make that peak number, but it drove so much nicer. Yeah, that's that's why I want either a Maggie or just a supercharger. Period. Is uh, it's it's just for me personally. I like going red light to red light, and that's the supercharger for you. Yeah, I, <laughs> you I think know. most people would enjoy supercharger more than turbo, just because turbo is nice. But if you're not on the interstate, you're probably not using it all the way. Especially if you're on a back road, you're probably doing some sketch shit. Yeah, and, and it's yeah, like, a PD blower, and you're on some back roads. You can just stop that bitch, and you're having fun. It's like you said, you know, turbo takes a, takes a minute to spool. If you're, if you're, you know, really getting into your boost there, you're doing like mock Jesus, probably not, you know, like super speed. But yeah. if, if I get pulled over for going red light to red light in a blower, I'm probably only breaking the speed limit by like 10 and reckless driving. Yeah. If we're, you, we're just spinning. Yeah. If you're going down the interstate making like 30 pounds of boost, uh, you're probably doing like a buck and some change, you know. At least that's that's a repo and a trip to the three meals a day house, you know. Yeah. So that's just my personal opinion on uh, the supercharger versus uh, blower, which or sorry, supercharger versus turbos, which we'll probably get into a whole thing in a different episode. But yeah. that's just kind of a taste on how we feel about that. You know. Yeah, I just really wanted to put that out there because the pro charger people really be busting my balls. <laughs> And pro chargers are like I don't know. It just seems I'm like not spending eight grand on that when I can buy an LSA for like twenty five hundred bucks. <laughs> it's the easy way out too, you know. There's just like not that much work that goes into putting a pro charger on. You know, granted, it is the yeah. same way for a supercharger, but stock pulley ain't making no boost either. You're on like four pounds on stock pulley. And for the amount, yeah, you I just spend. hate the way they sound at idle too, man. God. But uh, the uh, what what I what I wanted to uh, kind of get towards is the uh, I wanted to see what you kind of thought about this because I was reading in the comments people were kind of debating heavily and you you've been on both sides of LS and Coyote so they're pitting the 427 against the uh, 302 you know the five the 50 Coyote oh so they didn't even stroke it or nothing uh. I'm not sure. I think they are. St- they at least have uh, pistons. Rod- they've been sleeved rod piston. Uh, whatever they could do to make it fast with, you know, $1,500. I think they both had block work done. It's a Gen 2 Coyote. I'm surprised it ain't just j- just pistons because they're already forged rod and crank. It's either a 2013 or it's either a 2015 or 2018 block is what I saw. Uh, oh, so it's Gen 2 are up, so it's all forged besides the pistons from OEM. But they all went with like these specific uh, uh, rods. It was like Maine or Moraine or something like that. Uh, but they all went with like... Manly? The, yeah, that's what it was. Uh, 
they all went with like really beefy setups. I think both engines are going to make upwards to like 1200 horsepower, but the, the way the grading system is set up is, uh, horsepower per cubic inch, which is, you know, <laughs> definitely one to help the coyote out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Horsepower, uh, they, they're going to take horsepower and torque, add them together, see which one has the uh, highest value. And, uh, yeah, we already know that. Yeah. And then the last one was, uh, average horsepower or something i think average horsepower to certain rpm i can't remember it's something like that but a lot of people are like oh what what's what's the next pairing going to be a briggs and stratton versus a uh, lawnmower or some, something like bizarre oh no it was a briggs yeah. and stratton versus a hemi because they they were complaining <laughs> so much about the uh, displacement of you know the 427 and a 302 well it, the thing about that is is that your equation to make horsepower and I feel like that's what I like so much about the difference between Ford and Chevy. Ford is like, we are going to utilize every bit of displacement we get to the max. And Chevy's over here just like, we're giving out free coupons for, here's two liters, here's four. <laughs> here. like, <laughs> I just like it because Chevy's just like, yeah, I got torque and I spent a little bit. Or Really, it's like, I got a lot of torque and I spend pretty good. And Coyote's like, I got okay to work and i spin really fast yeah see that that's, that's all power that's all horsepower is really is torque times rpm divided by 52 52 so you either have have high initial torque or high rpm it's one of the two i, I definitely agree and that's why i kind of wanted to get your take because i don't necessarily agree with the comment yes there is such a big displacement uh you know issue with that but you know, you say the Coyote handle boosts so much easier than the LS does, especially whenever you talk stock for stock. Uh, but yeah, I, I, so uh, I got one more question about this. Uh, is huh. it a Gen Four Four Twenty Seven? It's a G. It's a Summit Racing LSX block. Let's just say that. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. LSX. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's um probably. I don't know, four inch bore, a little bit bigger, probably four. Because if it's LS7, it's four one twenty five bore by four inch stroke. But I think the LSX is a little different. It's bigger bore, less stroke. But anyways, what I was saying is, it's a Gen Five. It would really be unfair because Gen Five heads flow stupid. Oh yeah. Uh, the big block or the LSX heads might too. They might have a real big exhaust valve, but I know on the Gen Fives, the exhaust valves pretty good size and one eight rocker i mean it's staying open a pretty good amount of time especially with a good cam so it actually the exhaust scavenging is pretty good even compared to a coyote yeah <clears throat> i would say though it's not it's kind of un, unfair for a commenter to be like yeah this is an unfair competition because if you kind of like you said the horsepower per cubic inch you know there there's I think it's going to be a, like I said, I'm on the last episode of it and I'm pretty excited. It, it seems like both cars or both engines are going to be pretty close to, you know, north of like 1200 horse. I don't think they're going to be that different as far as power, but I could be wrong. That's the whole reason I'm intrigued in the show. I think it's incredible what they're doing there, you know, given a set budget. It kind of shows you what you could do if you kind of put that money into, uh, into that, you know, $15,000. Yeah. It's if you're doing all the work yourself, $15,000, I mean, that's a, uh, That'll get you there, you know. Turnkey, obviously, you could spend 
uh, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars on a turnkey engine that's already ready to rip. But if you are to spend that like fifteen thousand and just kind of do all the work yourself, it, you know, you pick your battle. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I would say you don't even have to spend fifteen grand to do a Coyote or LS swap. You could maybe spend five or six. Yeah, but I mean, their their build includes you know the blower yeah. and and all the supporting like. Uh, this is like okay, I throw a cam or I throw you know, headers intake. Yeah. And that's all you do. Like you find a running engine that's pulled. I was going to say, you can get like a junk, swap it in. you can get like a junk, you know, truck coyote block for like what, maybe three, th- three or $4,000. Yeah. I don't really know what the differences are on the truck. Five, like, cause it's not technically a coyote if it's a truck engine, unless it, that's what they use. They actually, they actually do do a coyote truck block, but, most are not actually coyote it's technically different i think it's not forged rods or oh yeah i don't know the heads might be a little different too i'm not exactly sure but the block itself maybe the block itself is the same yeah i think that's exactly same unless it's yeah they're all the same just the heads are different on gen 3 the block may be different too i'm not i don't think it is though yeah for you being ls guy you sure do know your coyotes too well, I worked at Ford for a while, so, <laughs> and I got Ford competition. Ford competition. Tyler always knocking on the door. Yeah, got to know thy enemy. Gotta <sighs> keep them close. <laughs> but that was just kind of a dip into us scratching the surface layer of engine building. I definitely want to dive a lot deeper into it with an actual specialized, experienced engine builder that you know has light years on us, you know, to kind of inform us and stuff. But you guys yeah, might have to... Uh, maybe we can get Haney on an episode or something. Haney or, you know, shoot for the stars would, and try to get to Haney would be... Haney would be just... He, you, you, you can't learn enough from Haney. <laughs> he knows his stuff. He knows everything there needs he to know. He knows everything there is some, that a man can know, let me tell you. <laughs> Haney is like the textbook definition of a blue-collar fix-it-yourself guy. <laughs> I don't know anyone who is more of that than him. Jacob's my second closest example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, guys, let us know what you thought of this segment. And uh, with that being said, we'll throw it into our gaming segment. So I guess we'll strike while the oven's hot because, uh, you know, Modern Warfare 3 just came out not too terribly long ago. And uh, we'd be doing doing our audience a disservice by not talking about it. Yeah, uh, seems like there's a lot of controversy about its release, so it's a pretty good topic. Yeah, you know, of course, if you follow the podcast, you know that we're kind of on a Call of Duty strike, at least for uh, this title in particular. Uh, But recent development, and I'll just go ahead and tell you our sources, uh, you know, I came across a video from Merc Music, and uh, honestly, I was just on autoplay, uh, and it kind of shocked me that all this news was inside of a video titled, like, Zombie, Why Zombies Was Bad, but uh, he, he got a lot of his intel, his information from Charlie Intel, so uh, if you want to track back our sources and do your own research, there's that information. With that being said, uh, man, which we just rewatched the video to refresh ourselves and I just watching it back a second time just like it made me even more mad like hearing hearing what happened with Modern Warfare 3 and how it was basically doomed from the start yeah I mean it's just you know aggravating to hear because 
So people put a lot of their time into these games and they still turn out trash just because of the, you know, head figures at the said company. Yeah, and just what kind of stuck with me, and you made a comment about it too, is the fact that, uh, you know, I, I can understand wanting to work long hours, but, you know, there there was something said about having to work through weekends and work night shift and, like, all this, which, you know, I'm sure that it's very fulfilling, you know, for some people, whenever they're doing a project that they feel passionate about. But it sounded like the the employees felt disserviced because of the timeline. Like, they, they were promised uh, that they wasn't going to have to go through this tight uh, deadline again. But here they are. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what it is. It's like, you know, okay, we put out one game. We got really time crunched on it. We need to take a break. But what do they do? They come in and say, hey, you know what? We're scrapping your project you just had and making you do this. And, oh, yeah, it's got to be done a year sooner than we intended. And then they just keep putting them on the same time crunch. You know how much, like... I I don't know what was going through their heads whenever they decided to, like, like, uh, was originally planned. Modern Warfare 3 was supposed to be an expansion on 2. You know, that was such a great idea. I don't know why they didn't go through with that. Like, if they thought fans were going to be upset because, you know, it's not a full game. I, I don't, I just don't understand what could have been going through their minds at that time because it just makes sense for it to be an expansion, uh, looking at what they gave us now. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. It just feels like recycled content and then talking about the mw2 campaign really i i can tell after i went through the campaign you know it's a good campaign but you can just tell like it kind of jumps around a bit and it i don't know you, you can just tell that it wasn't originally meant to be as big as it was because by the end of it, it is like okay we just this look like not what i was expecting yeah, I mean, you, you've played the OG campaigns and the campaigns today, so so you, you for one, can actually speak well on the topic of, you know, the, uh, the similarities and differences between the campaigns in modern day, uh, you know, as opposed to the older Modern Warfare 2 and 3s. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, thinking back to the older campaigns, you know, it's been a while and I'm a little nostalgic of them, but they definitely seemed like better campaigns to me. Yeah. You know, one thing that kind of made me upset uh, was that they mentioned that Sledgehammer was already in the midst of working on Advanced Warfare 2, which is something that me and you have been just dying for, a change of movement. Like, that. Yeah. that is what we needed. It makes me so sad to hear that it was in development, or at least, you know, that was kind of the theory. And it, yeah. it's, we need that so bad in Call of Duty again. You know, when you really think about it, Advanced Warfare wasn't that bad, unless you think of the supply drops. You're exactly right. And I don't feel like that was the developer's fault. I mean, it seems to me like it would be like, okay, drops are the big thing. CSGO came out. All these games come out with drops. Call of Duty ain't passing up on that. The execs are like, no, we're making that money. It's not the developer's fault. Yeah, I, I and yeah, that's where the microtransactions kind of got like uh you know which we could buy skins and stuff back in the older games, but this was the more like random chance kind of thing. Yeah, I, I they like, weren't selling packs and shit. 
I, I just hate to see it, man. I, I've been dying for either a Black Ops 3 remake or just... I, I would have taken any EXO game, honestly. So it, it was nice to see. And I ho I do wholeheartedly hope that they still do pursue uh, another EXO game like uh, Inf or, or Advanced Warfare 2. That would make me really happy to see that come to flourishing because it's just time to get a new taste of Call of Duty again because they got to change something. It's been so stale for since... Since 2019, in my opinion, Call of Duty has just been stale. I mean, granted... 2019 the, was fun when it first came out, but after, you know, the next game, and then the next game, I was like, okay, this... Like, when Vanguard was over in Warzone, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, why is this even a thing? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's like you said, there's no change. Like, it's stagnant. They're just the... Each Modern Warfare game that's came out recently has literally just... It just feels copy-paste. It really does. With the movement, the gunsmith, it's... there. There's no key feature that I can tell you stand out from one Modern Warfare to the next. Nah, and Vanguard's the only one that you could say stands out of the newer ones, and honestly, it stands out as the worst. Not even just that it's different pace or... You know, the map's on it, it's... God, just everything about New Recon just makes me mad, man. Yeah, I completely understand that. Thinking I mean... back to the maps of Vanguard makes... MW2 got nothing. Vanguard had the worst fucking maps. Yeah, Vanguard... You remember that one on with the sub in the middle of the submarine? The submarine. Oh my god, I couldn't stand it. You had to go up in the tower on oh, the left by it. Like, oh my god, that was god. just like terrible. Like, snipe. if you weren't getting sniped, you were getting killed by a corner camper close quarters. Yeah, and then you got the one that was head glitch alley. The three level one, the building. Oh yeah, that, that, your, your team Gosh. either had full control or like no control. There was Nothing. no Your middle team ground. would be like all over the map, but they would not be doing anything. They would be dying. You'd literally have to shut down the whole match. Like as far as your team goes, uh, to just focus on regaining that room. It was yeah, it might as I well have been King of the Hill, like style game mode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. It, it's kind of like Halo or something, like King of the Hill, like. But I know it's just funny. I completely agree. Vanguard was Vanguard. It was different. You know, it was not a good Call of Duty game. Probably one of the worst. But it didn't feel like 2019. But like 2019 just really set the pace for the the next several games that we were going to see out of Infinity Ward. Because like I said, it's just copy paste. At least with you know, you can kind of argue that back in the day because Modern Warfare. You know, the original two, two and three. There's there were some similarities, but, you know, all in all, Modern Warfare 3 was just a better version of 2. I think a lot of people would agree with that. But if you look at the jump between Treyarch and Infinity Ward, there was such a humongous astronomical difference between Modern Warfare and Black Ops 2. And oh, keep, yeah. keep that in mind, they're running, I mean, they're the same timeline. Like, these games are coming out one year after another. If you look now at like you said vanguard or cold war or like name any title that has came out recently within the last like five six years and they feel so so similar it did I, do. I just don't know how to explain it. i don't know how they made it different back in the day where the between the two developers it just played so much differently and you know uh, the original black ops played so different to me yes I mean, I, it didn't feel like it was even on the same engine as the other games 
Yeah, I'll say Black Ops took the cake for feeling like more of an arcade shooter, whereas, uh, you know, Modern Warfare kind of felt like more your battlefield, more gritty. And I don't know if it's just because of the atmosphere or how it felt for me as a player, but that's just kind of the vibe I got from the uh, the games back then. Black Ops always seemed more like an action movie to me. Yeah. Like it, your characters were a lot more involved. Because you had your main characters in the Modern Warfare series, but it didn't seem like it was like... Like, the big shit that happened in the game wasn't really revolving around them as much. Like, sure, you had Price, Soap dying. Like, it, that was all important, but, like, the Eiffel Tower falling down and shit. Or, you know, Russia invading New York. That's, that was just, like, it felt so different. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I will. Now you just got a big drama. Like, it, it looks like high school musical. Like, <laughs> just a bunch of characters fighting each other. I, I will say, I haven't hated the campaigns here lately. I, I've heard just terrible things about Modern Warfare 3s. I, I have, man, it sucks, too. I haven't too. seen it yet. I, I've seen some missions in particular just, like, literally just drag on for no reason at all. It's like they're just filling time. It reminds me of, like, back during the adpocalypse whenever every YouTube video got stretched out to 10 minutes just for the ad revenue. <laughs> There's just, like, blank stuff in there. I understand. Yeah, I mean, even in Dub 2 filled that way to me. Like, the uh, all-gillied-up mission, that thing was so long. <laughs> yeah, it was. No reason at all to. Yeah, I guess if if the listener doesn't want to look up the information, but going back to the whole timeline thing, they they were given the timeline of 16 months to make Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare 3, which just it's just insane whenever you think of a AAA game. They have just a little over a year to make a full-fledged game that's supposed to compete with Battlefield, which, you know, they take years to develop. And, like, it's just crazy that they set these super, super high standards for their employees whenever they are expected to put out a, you know, Call of Duty at one time, and I, I doubt it's there now, was the best first-person shooter game available. And here they are just, like, really screwing their people over. Like, the main thing that I feel like kills franchises is they don't let their employees, like, actually... I mean, you would agree, too. If you're pushed and pushed, you're going to do lower-quality work. I mean, that's just oh, yeah, a fact. yeah, for sure. So, no, I see it in my field all the time, so I understand. You just can't put your whole heart in something if it feels, like, forced. Like, you're just unhappy. Like, I can't imagine that your employees are very happy making a project that they weren't excited about on a time crunch. No, and that's going to result in a game not being as good as it could be i mean most triple a games probably take at least three years to develop two and a half to three i would say is average for like a call of duty type game like yeah your standard fps game i mean look at battlefield i think the most they ever go is like two years because they let battlefront have a turn i i think the lowest amount of times two years i mean it might be longer than that i don't know yeah that's what i'm saying but I mean, it feels like it's three or four, honestly. Yeah, it does. And like, I mean, GTA, it's not a first person shooter, but I mean, look, we're going on like 10 years without a GTA. I think that's partly just because they didn't even start that project until Red Dead 2 came out. Yeah. At least it seems like that. But you look at uh, Call of Duty with all these different, uh, you know, branches that are working on their game, you know, that you would think that they could kick out one a lot quicker. Uh, because of how many hands are on their project. There's a lot of hands, but again, it goes back to those, you know. 
I think a lot you of you have less hands and better hours, and it would probably be a better quality product. Yeah, and you know, I I don't understand the decision behind, uh, of course, Treyarch skipping their year, which is completely fine, and I commend them for skipping their year. If their game wasn't ready, they weren't going to have a product. But at the same time, it makes you wonder, like, why. It, it was it really necessary to have another Call of Duty? Like, I wonder if they're just trying to keep up with a cycle. Like, like yeah, we yeah, have. If they just want to keep Warzone alive, just don't release the next game. For just real. release shit for Warzone. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna play it, but if that's what you want to do, you know, that's a lot of people are into that. So it seems like most of their fan base is into Warzone. You know, I'm I'm with you. Me yeah. personally, I'm not I'm not into it. But if I'm that's... not there, but hey, if that's what you like, then I ain't. No, it... you know, you do you. Exactly. And I don't know, I guess we could kind of uh, transition into talking about the zombies a little bit, which we've both kind of seen just a tad bit of. Uh, you know, of course, Trey, not Treyarch, uh, Activision and Infinity Ward are at a uh, extreme disadvantage making zombies because, you know, they're not they're not the zombies, guys. But uh, I guess that kind of aids aids a little bit for them because the you know of course we can't set such a high standard for a developer who isn't known for making the good zombies games yeah i mean uh you can't really just expect too much in it if treyarch ain't doing it they've had their chance at a few things but nothing is gonna top you know the og zombies in a way, I'm kind of. It kind of makes me uh, happy to see that uh, Infinity Ward isn't trying to copy what Treyarch does with the round base. I kind of like that they're trying something different. It does, because uh, if they're just trying to copy Treyarch, obviously they're really going to look bad because they aren't going to be able to set that same mood. And them attempting to set that same mood would have just kind of been pathetic, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this zombies. It seems like it has some po- parts of it that would be fun from what i've seen yeah i think you you uh, i might have told you a few times but the uh the zombies Warzone thing for uh for halloween it was so much fun it was kind of like infected on an enormous scale really because you uh you play Warzone like normal but whenever you die you get to come back as a zombie and i think you have to pick up three uh I can't. I think they called it anti-vaccine or the the vaccine. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, you had to get four of those to come back as a human again, but each person only dropped two, so you had to find two or at least kill two people to get one. And it was a lot of fun. You could come back as many times as you could get those uh, vaccines. It was super. Like I, I'd be so happy if that was just year round because it's it. Like I said, it's just infected on a large scale, but you get to come back. Yeah, I feel like if they would leave it in the game and not just a time-based thing, they would have more players active at more time. Yeah, but maybe we'll see that with the uh, with the zombies mode that Black Ops or Modern Warfare Three has, uh, because it kind of it reminded me a little bit of it with the zombies free roaming. Obviously, the zombies aren't players, but I don't know. It, it like you said, it it's got my attention. It looks kind of uh, it looks fun. I would play it if it was free, but I'm not about to spend seventy dollars just to try something out. No, it ain't seventy dollars. Good. <laughs> it, it ain't no Black Ops Three zombies. No, no, it ain't no Black Ops Three zombies. It's not zombies in Spaceland either. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say what zombies is best, but Three is, sheesh, man. That there ain't much bad on Three. Yeah, I know. It's it's really or two, good. or one. <laughs> Treyarch just did the zombies so flawlessly. I don't think there's a single, single zombies uh, that on the Treyarch end that was not good. 
Yeah, it's really hard to say. I mean, there might have been a few maps I didn't care for, but That's I, I could certainly play them. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of would have... It wasn't Advanced Warfare where they uh, did exo-zombies. Yeah, and they also had, like, a toxic one, and then... I think there was a toxic one, and there's the EMP one that would take out your fucking suit. Wouldn't that wouldn't that have been fun to see the Exo Zombies come back with Advanced Warfare Two? That I think that would have been a lot Dude, of fun. Dude, they were tough. It kind of sucked that they made that a DLC though, because I never got to play. I wasn't about to buy a DLC for Advanced Warfare. The first one seemed kind of cool. It was like a Burger Town map or something like that. Oh, that's cool. They always be throwing out the Call of Duty throwback. Yeah, you, you gotta Town. love that. Well, I think both developers kind of do that, but yeah, Burger Town's an OG. That's like their firing range. It's not the... Man, you just don't know about Burger Town unless you played MW2 campaign. <laughs> yeah, I missed out. And it had a... In Terminal, the back of Terminal, there was a Burger Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's the only one I know about, is the one in the back of Terminal. Oh, well, you actually see the map in the campaign to end up to flying in in America on a helicopter. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. And you got to go in Burger Town. I can't remember what you do, but OG Burger Town. The OG. Yeah, I, Big OG. I don't know. I, you know, it does leave me kind of excited about what Treyarch has that, you know, has has in the history of Call of Duty a game, a studio ever taken two years? I think this might be history. I don't know. I, I feel like there is... No. I can't think of one. Ghosts, then Advanced Warfare... Then Black Ops 3. I don't think a studio skipped a year. I think this is the first time ever. Yeah, I, th I don't know. So I, I don't really care if they do, honestly. Well, with that being said, it just uh, I'm sure there's going to be a pretty high bar set, but, uh, I mean, does there really need to be a straight Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and they did make Cold War. Yeah. That was pretty terrible, but... It wasn't terrible. I, it wasn't I actually as, enjoyed it more than nineteen. It wasn't as bad as uh, as Vanguard. It wasn't as bad as twenty nineteen either. Yeah, I mean Treyarch the maps were a lot more playable, and it was just more enjoyable. I, I almost got everything, uh, you know, whatever Dark Ether or whatever. That's kind of funny, but like I hadn't done that since Black Ops Three, and went for like a big challenge. It's like Treyarch, a tr one of Treyarch's bad games is like a halfway decent game for Infinity Ward, it seems like. Like, that's the baseline that Treyarch is like, e even their worst games are like extremely playable and fun, you know. Yeah, that, that is Treyarch to a T. So, I mean, Treyarch's bar isn't really, I mean, their low bar isn't really that crazy. I mean, it's still going to be a good game, but I've got high hopes. Man, I'm telling you, if they come out with like... I don't even care. If they remake any of the Black Ops, I'm going to be fired up because all of them were just so good. Like, they just can't mess it up. I, I just don't feel like they can. It would be hard to mess that up. Like, I'm going to be happy with XO. I'm going to be happy with Black Ops 2, Black Ops 1. I don't care. Just give me a Black Ops game. I'm so ready. But if they go for, like, a remake, like, 2019 or something, then I ain't even going to bother. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If they... I'll, I'll, we'll see. It would be hard. 
If if they if they put some sort of zombies on there, I'd probably be buying it just for the zombies because I'm I'm kind of upset I didn't get four just so uh, I couldn't play Blood of the Dead and all that. <clears throat> what did you say, Blood of the Dead? Black yeah, Ops four. Yeah, isn't isn't that what Mob of the Dead's called on on? Uh... <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. <clears throat> Black Ops four seems crazy for the high high rounds. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't really seen much gameplay. <clears throat> they got Origins and everything. They got literally every map, don't they? No. Oh, I thought they did. I thought they redid everything on Black Ops 4. No, there's, there's a Nuketown. There's a 5. But they're not the same. They're kind of like... They got a little spin to them. That's weird they'd remake Nuketown. I thought Nuketown was pretty hated as a Zombies map. It was. Yeah. Kind of odd. It ain't to too it. bad on there, I think. And gave it another chance. It's different. You should look into it. Yeah. Well, anyways, guys, I guess that's kind of got it for us. You know, we just kind of scratched the surface layer. We'll have to keep up with what Modern Warfare 3 is doing. You know, obviously, it's, uh, as Call of Duty players, it means a lot to us to see what direction the franchise is going in. Even though we're not uh, coming off our strike on the Modern Warfare 3, uh, uh, I, I don't know, strike. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Well, with that being said, guys, we'll throw it to an outro, and we'll see you guys next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for making it to the end of the episode. If you're here, go ahead and jump over to TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Go like all our pages. We post a lot of stuff throughout the week, podcast clips, memes, all that good stuff. So if you want to keep up with us throughout the week, head on over, follow us. TikTok's probably the best place to find us. But with that being said, guys, we'll see you guys next week.